Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Has this series been speaking to you? Has this refresh series been just like lifting you up and lifting you out and just doing some things to you? Is it making you just a little bit uncomfortable because you've been a little bit complacent? It's stretching me. I'm just going to tell my business. It's pulling me way out of my comfort zone. And so week one, as you all, if you weren't here, we, uh, we talked about getting past our past. You know, it's always tough. We always set these New Year's resolutions and New Year goals, but we, we tend to bring over some luggage that we should have just totally donated a long time ago. So we have to learn to get past our past. And then week two, we talked about how most of us look buff. We got Instagram pictures and, you know, all of these stuff showing our abs and our buttocks and all of these things. But spiritually, on the inside, we're weak as I don't know what. We're flabby. We're out of shape. We're just jacked up. But we look good on the outside. And so we talked about the importance of being spiritually fit instead of being physically fit first. And then last week, we talked about navigating your inner circle. Woo, that stepped on some toes. I'm telling you. I mean, I had people like, yo, I'm glad I made the list. People were inboxing me. Like, those who listen to the podcast were like, man, I'm glad I'm still your friend. Because I heard your podcast, and I thought you was about to cut. And I was like, no, you're good. You made it. Even if it's just for marketing purposes, you're still here. (laughs) Amen. Just so I can tell people, man, we got a lot of followers. Amen. You're here for a purpose. We may not connect, but you're here for a purpose. And then this week, our final week of this sermon series, I want to stretch us all to understand that uh, God has created a new you. God makes all things new. So once we've mastered getting past our past, once we are in the best spiritual shape that we can possibly be in, and and once we've kind of weeded through those friends that we call friends and those associates who shouldn't be uh, associates and those haters, and you know what I'm talking about. Once we've weeded through that, now let's talk about we have a fresh slate, we have a clean start. How do we do it? God makes all things new. Let us go into God in prayer. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to stand before your children, Father God. What an awesome responsibility it is to shepherd them before you. Oh, God, I don't take lightly how much you expect me to represent you with greatness, and so I pray that I do that today. If you would do me a favor, God, as I share these words that you've prepared, I pray that you bless this place this morning from center to circumference. I pray that these words simply bypass the ears of the listener and rest solely on the hearts of those in attendance today. So that when we leave this place this morning, we can say we left changed and inspired. Oh, God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. 
Let me jump right into the scripture that's going to kind of be our foundation for what we talk about this morning. We'll find it in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 14 through 17. And if you have a Bible or um, your handout, you can read along with me. Um, at this church for our visitors, we do rise and hold up one foot and one leg. No, I'm just playing. We don't do all of that. You may stay seated. The words of God says this. Actually, the words of Paul from God say this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. Say old self. He died for everyone so that those who received his new life, say new life, receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. I want you all to catch that right there. Your old self died, you got a new life, and it's not for you. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going today. That's where we're going today. This new life will no longer live for ourselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now, exclamation point. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. As I begin to research this, and I, I, you know, it's interesting. This is coming from Paul, and we're going to talk about Paul's perspective and Paul's point of view in this particular scripture and the people he were talking to. We'll talk about that in a minute. But as I looked over this thing, I was like, how can I best illustrate what, what, what my point will be, what my main point is? And I personally think that there is no creature in nature that better illustrates the total transformation or renewal process uh, than the caterpillar. So this morning, I'm going to take y'all back to science a little bit, and we're going to talk about the caterpillar because I firmly believe we may have a few caterpillars in the building today. The caterpillar is an interesting insect. It's, it's actually ugly. It is. Even with some pretty stripes on it, it's ugly. Most of us, if we see them, uh, we, 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 we kind of go, ew. You know, little girls screech and boys grab them and try to, you know, do things with them, dissect them to figure out what they look like on the inside or squeeze them to see what comes out when they squish them. You know, some grab them and say, you know what, I'm going to feed it to a bird. And we know the, the, the caterpillar is ugly. He moves around slow, doesn't have many friends. He is a predator. Uh, uh, I mean, a prey for, for, for birds who are predators. He just don't stand a good shot in life. For many of us, the caterpillar can be a nuisance. I know my wife and I many years ago had, and we still do, have a beautiful garden. And after watering the garden one day, it was all beautiful and gorgeous. I went out the next day. The entire crop was gone. I said, call Popo. They done took our food, baby. All the food is gone. But after further inspection, I noticed that there was these green caterpillars that had totally destroyed, destroyed my crop in less than 24 hours. Totally ate it. And so I went and got some pesticide to handle that business, the life of a caterpillar. 
Nobody likes him. He's ugly. He's dirty. He can't, he has nothing that will protect him from predators, right? And if we see him, we want to get some pesticide to get rid of them totally. They don't stand a chance. And many of us are just like that caterpillar. But oh, baby, let me tell you what happens with the caterpillar after a certain amount of time. Uh, do we have a, oh, look at it. It's just ugly. It is. It's nasty. Mm. Just don't like them. They just look ugly. Here's what happens after a certain amount of time. This ugly creature that nobody likes, that has no friends, that is a nuisance. This ugly creature that we put pesticides down for to avoid him from even coming onto our property becomes at some point a beautiful butterfly through the process of metamorphosis. Now, the word metamorphosis is a Greek word. It comes from Greek. It's two words that bring it together. Meta, meta, which means change, and morph, which means form. Change form. That's where the word metamorphosis comes from. I got any science teachers in the house today? There's one back there. Am I right about it? Amen. Let me hear amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder how far we can go with this. Meta, change. Morph, form. And, and, and the caterpillar goes through this process to become a brand new, beautiful insect that everybody loves. We love it so much we run out to our nearest tattoo shop to get them tattooed on our body so we can permanently have this beautiful thing on us. You never see nobody run into the tattoo shop and say, hook me up with that. Yo, I want that. That's my new tat right there. Nobody does that. But we want the butterfly. We named Grammy Award winning albums after this beautiful insect called the butterfly. He's no longer ugly, but he, this was once, this thing right here becomes that beautiful work of art. And here's what I want to share with you all, and I'm going to get into it in a minute so you can take some notes. We all are either right now a lot like that caterpillar and if we're not there now, we will be at some point in our lives. If you've not been there, but the beauty of it all is you can go through what I like to call a spiritual metamorphosis. A spiritual metamorphosis where you spiritually change form. Amen. Let us get into some notes here. I won't take long. We got some things I'd like to do today. The first thing I want to share with you, there are three processes or steps or changes that occur in the process of spiritual metamorphosis. The first thing I want to share with you this morning, my brothers and sisters, is that when we go through a spiritual metamorphosis, we receive a new destiny. We receive a new destiny. And this new destiny, it shapes the life you live. The new destiny shapes the life you live. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life. See, when that caterpillar in his ugly state, in his ugly form, right, he, 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 he goes through the process of metamorphosis. And he takes all of his messy stuff, right, he takes all of this stuff creates a, a, a silky layer over himself called the cocoon, right? He, look at he's, he's not going anywhere. He doesn't detach himself and go somewhere and get some material. He's taking his own mess. 
his own skin, his own stuff, creates a silky layer out of his own flesh, and this is called the cocoon. We, like the caterpillar, when we receive our new destiny, we take all of that stuff that is from our past, all those redeemable things, which is a part of our lives, our flesh, and we put ourselves in this spiritual cocoon. As Christians, we no longer live to polish our portfolios. When we say we're Christians, we're not living to polish our portfolios. We're not living to impress our neighbors. We're not living to impress our friends. We're not living to do those things. As Christians, since we believe, we no longer live to make us look good. We live our lives to make him look good. You know, as a child, you go out into the world, you don't represent you. Who do you represent when you are a child, when you are a kid and you go to school? You don't represent you. Who do you represent? Your parents. That's right. You ain't going to mess up your parents' names. They'll tell you about it. You know? Oh, you ain't going to. Listen, bells don't act like that in school. You come from the Bell family. The Howards? Nuh-uh, nuh-uh. You, do you know who your uncles are? You ain't going to school or cutting up and that. You messing up my family name. Deleons? Well, 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 well. Well, you represent your family name when you go out there in the public. And here it is. We, have, we are Christians. We get this new life, this new, this new destiny. And so when, when, when we do that, we're not trying to polish our portfolios. We're trying to look good for him, trying to make Jesus look good. Everything from how we get past our past and getting spiritually fit and even how we navigate our inner circles, our friends, all ties to making him look good. The people we associate with, as much time as we spend in prayer and, and supplication, uh, uh, all of these things, the pe- getting even forgiven the people of our past, all ties to making him look good. Watch this. If someone has offended you, I mean, broke your doggone heart, upset you in a mighty way, and you come to them and say, you know what? You broke my heart. You hurt me. You hurt me to my core. But guess what? I forgive you. All of a sudden, it's not about Gerald. It's about Jesus. You don't have that kind of power. You're not that strong to forgive somebody that hurt you that bad. You're not that, you don't have that kind of power to forgive your molester at a young age. You don't have that kind of power to forgive the person that lied on you. You don't have that kind of power to, call, to, 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 to love the person who called you a racial slur. You don't have that kind of power. But Jesus does. And so when you forgive, they don't look at you and say, man, he's a good guy. They look and say, wow, he must be connected to a higher source because I said some mean and ugly things to him. Jesus gave a great example. These people kicked him, beat him, stabbed him, all of this stuff, just treated him dirty, made him carry a cross that was three times his own weight up a hill, nailed these stakes in his hand, hung them up there. And what does he do? If it's me, my daddy can destroy. Listen. History shows he's wiped out nations. My daddy can destroy y'all for what y'all doing to me. What does he do? Forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, if it was me, baby, I'd be like, take them out, daddy. Take them out. Start with that one right there. And then get his cousins and mama and daddy them. Real talk. If that was me, because I'm not Jesus and neither are you. We don't have that kind of power to be that forgiven. We have to rely on a higher source, a higher power. So when we say we are new in him, then we have to represent that. We don't want people to see us and say, wow, what an incredible guy Broderick is. No, what an incredible guy Broderick is because he's connected to a loving and forgiving Jesus. He is indeed a changed person. There's a big 
difference, my brothers and sisters. It's funny how when Jesus selected his disciples, I talked about this on last week. It's interesting when he was so strategic in selecting them. He selected like muddy, dirty people, people that had reps, people that had a pass, right? But watch, here's the amazing thing. Watch this. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. I love this. Where Jesus, he, you know, he sees things differently. He sees the flawed life of a tax collector, and he made him a disciple. Now, why was the life of a tax collector flawed? For many reasons. They were hated. They were, it was like you had sinners, tax collectors, two separate groups of evil people during that time, right? Sinners, tax collectors. They're even worse. They're on a whole other level. And he says, you know what? I'm going to take this guy and make him a disciple. And he ends up writing one of the Gospels that we read today. If we read our Bibles, one of the Gospels he wrote, a flawed person. Do you not think he looks at you the same way? Your neighbor may be saying some, some ill things about you, right? Your haters may be saying some stuff that you don't appreciate. Some people may be saying some stuff on social media that kind of got you feeling some type of way. But God doesn't see you that way. He says, you know what? I can take all of your flaws and all. One of my favorite songs by Beyonce, by the way. And, and, and I can use that and make it redeemable and build my kingdom. So that one day, if we ever rewrite the book, maybe you get to write one of the Gospels? Come on, man. He don't see us the same way the world sees us. Do me a favor because we're all new people. We're all new people. Do me a favor. We're all brand new, right? And just to help me, do me a favor. I want you to look at your neighbor and go, mmm, you smell good. Come on, say it. Mmm, you smell good. Now, watch this. Tell him, you must be rocking that new life scent. Look at him and tell him, you must be rocking that new life scent. You must, that must be that new life scent you got on because you're walking around like, like, like something else has happened. You're walking around like you didn't hit the lottery. Mm, you smell good. That must be that new life scent. Come on now. I'm going to I'm I'm listen. I'm going to copyright that and watch people. Watch. watch the people, the car fresheners. They be hitting me up. You know, you go to the car wash, and they say, what, what kind of scent do you want? You don't want vanilla aroma. You want new life scent. Like, what is that? That's, that's something Jesus gave me. You can't even purchase it. It's already been purchased by his blood. Woo! Oh, come on now. Let me, let me move on. Y'all just, y'all just cutting up. The caterpillar, once he goes through the process of metamorphosis, he no longer looks at a boulder as a stump in the road. He no longer looks at that boulder and say, well, I got to go uh, around it and turn around or just pick a new direction. No, he looks at it once he's metamorphosized into the butterfly and says, I'm just going to fly over it or this will be my new landing spot. Huh? When he goes through the process, when you go through the process of spiritual metamorphosis, you're not the same, William. You're a brand new creature in the eyes of God. The second thing he gives us, y'all, first he gives us a new destiny as part of this process of spiritual metamorphosis. The second thing we receive in this process is a new identity. We receive a new identity. This new identity, this reveals who you really are. You see, we looked at that ugly little caterpillar and we see it and we want to squish it and we want to kill it and we want to put insecticide and pesticide and all of this around. But, 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 but if we just take a minute to realize and say, you know what, I'm just going to let him go by his way. I'm not going to harm it this time because eventually he's going to become a beautiful butterfly. Hopefully depends on the caterpillar because they can become ugly moths, which are equally annoying. All right. I digress. Really? 
a new identity. So we go from a new destiny. I no longer have to crawl around on the ground. I can hang, you know, I no longer have to find my way around. I can, I can, I no longer have to be lonely. Once I go through this process of this physical metamorphosis, right, I become this beautiful butterfly that everybody wants to hang with. I become this beautiful butterfly that everybody wants to know. Oh, you know Tia? Yo, me and Tia, we got the same first initial in our name. That desperate to be a part of who you are. Uh, you, you, know, you know Nikki? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she from the South. I'm from the South too. They try to connect with you anyway because there's greatness in you. When you go through this spiritual metamorphosis, let, let, let me just share a little scripture for you right here. This is, this is, this is good. This is good. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 16, 17. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Let me talk about that for a little bit. It's so crazy because Paul is saying this. Because when I read this, I said, I've never thought of Jesus just on a human point of view. He's always been higher than this. But then I checked myself. I said, yes, I did. When I was a five percenter, used the scripture to kind of trump Christians up and make them look stupid because they couldn't argue back intelligently. I said, yes, I did think of him in the human life, but maybe that's not your story. But let's talk about Paul, who did see Jesus on a human side. He never saw him as a Messiah. He never saw him as, as, as a Savior. He saw him as just this guy that's causing trouble, talking all of this jazz, and we need to just find where he is and just take him out. Anybody who believes the rhetoric that this dude who died all these years ago is talking about, take him out. Because he was nobody. He was this Jesus from Nazareth, whose daddy was a carpenter. So he probably barely made minimum wage. He wasn't in the upper class. He was middle class if there was one back then. He's human is how Paul viewed him. I should say Saul. But then one day while he was walking on Damascus Road, chilling, minding his business, hunting for Christians, bam, he went blind. And he was converted. His name was changed. His identity was changed. So when Paul says one time we looked at Jesus from a human standpoint, we saw him in a human uh, perspective, he, he can say that because he, he did see him as just this one guy causing trouble in this land. But then when, when all power struck him, took out his sight, resurrected him, changed all his directions, changed his identity, including his name, he no longer saw him in a human form. He saw him as a true Messiah and Savior, sit here for you, me, and generations to come. He had a new identity. And the minute the scales fell off of his eyes, he was no longer Saul the Pharisee. He was just Paul on the run. He was looked at as a traitor. He was looked at as unhelpful. He was looked at, I mean, he had all kind of names. They called him because he totally went, went, went against everything he used to believe but he had to because he had a new identity. He completely died to his old self. Completely died. No longer was he using scripture now to, 
to, to, to, to, to reason why he should kill Christians. No longer was he doing that. He was quoting the scripture to convert some people. Just like that, 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 that caterpillar who's in the cocoon, who takes his own mess, takes his own flesh, takes his own history, takes his own pain, takes his own hurt, takes his own stuff, wraps himself up in that cocoon, stays in there. He becomes a new creature. And when he comes out there, he's no longer ugly, lonely, dirty, lowly caterpillar. He becomes butterfly of the order of Lepidoptera. From the order of lep, yeah, I use some scientific words. Am I right about it, science teacher? Thank you. Of Lepidoptera, butterfly from the order of Lepidoptera. He has a brand new name. He can never be called caterpillar again. He doesn't look like one. He doesn't act like one. He doesn't eat like one. Now he flies with his predators. Okay, let me, let me fix that. Now you hang with your predators. Your predators or your haters don't even recognize you because you got this new air about you. Since you done come out of your cocoon and you've been spiritually blessed, you got a new uh, spiritual metamorphosis. Your haters don't even recognize you. They're like, there's something new about you. You don't even look the same. You don't even talk the same. You don't even go to the same places. There's something different and new about you. What is it? They used to call me so-and-so, but now they can call me by my spiritual name because I've gone through a spiritual metamorphosis. So when we go through this spiritual metamorphosis, watch this, we receive a new destiny. That's one of the processes of going through the spiritual metamorphosis. Part two is receiving a new identity. And don't run out there and go get tattoos of the butterfly now. Some of y'all might have it. I don't want to know who you are, but <laughs> and don't be going using my stuff, my new life sin. Here's a third thing that happens in the process of spiritual metamorphosis. We receive a new eternity. We receive a new eternity. And this new eternity, this affirms your purpose. So now we know as the caterpillar has a new destiny, and we know his destiny is to become a butterfly. And so when he becomes a butterfly, he receives his new identity. Now, what is the purpose, his new eternity? What does that mean? What does that uh, represent? Let me share some scripture, 2 Corinthians five eighteen through 20. And you may not have this in your notes, but if you have a Bible or uh, a, a Bible app, follow me along, if you will. Meet me in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 20. It says this, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Woo. We are his best and greatest representatives. That's not in scripture, that's me. We are his hands and feet. We are him here on earth. 
Let me finish. Let me finish. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We don't speak for Mosaic Church when we say, come back to God. We, we, we don't speak for our own selfish gain. So I can say, look how many people I introduced to Christ when we say, come back to God. All of this newness, our change, our spiritual metamorphosis is for the sole purpose of reconciling God's people back to himself. Lost, hurting, people going through some stuff, people disconnected from loving communities, people that aren't hanging out with, with Jesus lovers or Jesus freaks, people that are just out there in the world like, I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm, what's my purpose. The, the greatest prayer request I receive, you would think that it would be for something tangible and it's not. The greatest prayer requests I receive are from people who are like, help, you know, my biggest prayer is that God will reveal to me what my purpose is. Because I don't know why I'm here. I don't know. Because here's what I know. The job that I give 40 plus hours to, yeah, that ain't filling that void. The man or woman that I've been spending all this time with and I ain't got a ring on it yet, that ain't filling my void. The money that I'm making from my business ventures ain't filling my void. There's something bigger that's not filling me, and I need it. And what is it? Can you tell me? Can you join me in prayer to help God answer what is my purpose? That's the greatest prayer request I receive. The second one would be healing. The first one is always the biggest one. Help me understand what my purpose is. What God's will is for my life. That tells me that there are a lot of lost folks. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. There are a lot of lost Christians in this world. A lot of believers that are lost. That's saying something powerful and painful and scary. How can you be a believer and be lost? When all you have, if you say you are a believer, then you believe that he's the same God yesterday, today, and evermore. The same way he brought you this far, the same way he created a path, the same way he parted the sea so that they could walk through that sea on dry land, the same way he, he, he poured rain in a dry land when there was a famine, the same God does that today. The same way he resurrected dead people, he's the same God. He hasn't changed. His name hasn't changed. His work hasn't changed. His job description hasn't changed. His works haven't changed. His blessing power has not changed. He is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Catch that if you will and ride the wave, baby. How can you be a believer and be lost and say you believe in a God who's done that, but you don't think he can do that for you now? These aren't just a bunch of great stories to share with your kids one day. This isn't a place you do the book you put on your coffee table and say, hey, there's some interesting reading. This isn't a book you have in your throne and... You know, these aren't just stories. This is real life, people. And it applies today just like it did yesterday. Here it is. I got something special for you. This has all been a setup. I'm just going to be real. It's been a setup. If you do me a favor, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle the first letter of every underlined word. In other words, every word that I gave you, destiny, uh-huh, yeah. Caught it, didn't you? A Morehouse brother. Destiny, identity, eternity. Circle the first letter of each one of those words. What do you get? 
You are new creature. But the only way you can live in your newness is you must go on ahead, pick out your pallbearers, go ahead, call the funeral home, and go ahead and set a funeral service for your old self because they're dead. You have to die to everything you believed about church in the past. You have to die to everything you believed about yourself in the past. You have to die to everything of your past in order to live. In order to live, you have to die. In order to truly live, you have to die. And I guess what? Anybody who say they struggle, yeah, that won't happen no more. It won't. No, you mean, you mean to tell me I'm going you know, to have months where I'm actually going to have an abundance? I'm not saying that. You mean, you mean to tell me that I no longer will have enemies? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, are you trying to tell me, brother, that if I die, I no longer will have my heart broken by people? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you won't suffer when you die. What I'm saying is you suddenly will realize you'll have a Damascus Road moment like Paul where the scales fell off his eyes and he realized, I serve a God who can do all things but fail. You no longer have to suffer. Once you die to your old self, you can truly live with your new identity in Christ. Oh, man, somebody would get that. Man, if this is a Pentecostal church and I had a baptism pool, somebody would jump in it. Huh? They would dive right on in it. Woo! I'd have some runners. Go ahead and run for me, Will. Do it. In order to truly live, my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to drive this home. I got to get that in your spirit. We must first die. But in order to die, this is what dying means. Ready? Jesus has the power to make all things new. I'm going to use a Christian word for you. Y'all better catch it. We must completely consecrate ourselves. What is that? What does consecrate mean? What, what, is, what does that mean? Consecrate. I'm about to tell you, for those who just heard it and never knew what it meant, to consecrate yourself means to completely surrender everything to God. Completely. What, what, what does that mean? I already give him my, my concerns. I already give him my issues. I already give him those things that I can't fix. What does that mean? No, surrender everything. That's, that includes your successes. Huh? That, 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 that degree you just got? Yeah. Surrender it. Because that's just one step to the next step where you got to go. Huh? That promotion you got? Yeah. Surrender it. Because that's just one step to the next place you got to go. Because if you hold on to it too long, you ain't going to be able to move and be promoted to where God ultimately wants you to be. Consecrate yourselves. And when you consecrate yourselves, that is the only way you can completely die to your old self. Surrender everything. That dream you had last night that was so wonderful about seeing great things happen, surrender that to God today. Your fantasies, your thoughts, your concerns, your plans, your 2014 plans that you wrote down and sat and prayed about, surrender it to God today. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying don't go pursue it, but what I'm saying is make sure you pursue it and your right-hand man and your left-hand man and the person on top and the person in the back is not your best friend, but it's Jesus. Surrender it. There's only so far you can go on your own in the race before you have to tag somebody in. 
And that somebody is Jesus. Somebody is Jesus. So in order to die, you must completely and totally consecrate yourself and surrender it all to Jesus. There's a song that says, all to thee, my precious Savior, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, man, I feel like hearing that. Do you mind doing it real quick, just a little bit, just a bit? Come on up here. Give me some of that. I surrender all. I know this is not how we normally do it, but I, I just need to hear that. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I surrender all. We were praying this morning. There was a song that says, withholding nothing, I surrender they're all to you, withholding nothing. I'm not going to hold on to anything that represents me. I'm not going to hold on to anything that represents me that gets in the way of me and you. I'm not going to hold on to anything withholding nothing. Go ahead, D. I surrender all. Yes. Yes. I surrender all. Yes, Lord. I surrender all. Mm. All to be my blessed Savior. I surrender. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.